You know, it's a real joy to be able to come to church every Sunday and meet with brothers and sisters that love the Lord and encourage us. And we're glad you're here today, and I'd like to encourage you to be a part of our Bible study. Inside your program, you'll find an outline of our study. And I want to talk with you today about the Christian's most difficult task. The Christian's most difficult task. And that difficult task we face is being able to control our tongues and the words we speak. Have you ever uh, been to uh, Walmart and as you were standing in line, you noticed that uh, near the place where you check out, they always have some tabloids. They have some papers. And when you read those headlines of those papers, I mean, they almost, you know, to say, I've got to get that so I can find out what that's all about. Well, I kind of jotted down some of the headlines and there were six that I wrote down. Five of these came from tabloids there at Walmart, and one I just made up. And and I wonder if you're able to distinguish between the true and the ones that are not true. Here's number one. The world's oldest woman thrives on lard and booze. Number two. Vampire poodles go on a bloody rage. Number three. 200-foot woman, 200-foot Jesus appears in Washington. Number five, Lincoln was a woman. Number five, a vasectomy reduces the chances of being abducted by aliens. And number six, Jesus' sandal found in Central Park. Now, I wonder which one of those was not really one of the headlines at the uh, Walmart. Well, let me tell you, it was number five. Vasectomy reduces the chance of being abducted by aliens. Now, the rest of them were all put out there for us to see. You know, words can be a blessing or they can be a curse. Over in Proverbs 18:21, the Bible says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And realize how important it is that you and I learn to control our tongues and our words. Now, the book of James was thought to be the earliest book written in the New Testament. And as you read the book of James, you'll find that 10% of the book deals with the subject of controlling your tongue. And the thing it says, it says to me is that the earliest Christians had the same problems that we have. And that is learning how to control our tongue and dealing with with that most difficult part of our life, and that is our tongue. So if you have your Bible today, we're going to be dissecting James chapter 3, verses 2 through 12. James chapter 3, verses 2 through 12. Well, first of all, let me introduce verse 2. Verse 2 tells us about a perfect man. And here's what James wrote. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So James says, if you want somebody to be a perfect man, all you have to do is control your tongue and never say anything you should not say. Now, I wonder, have you ever met a perfect man or a perfect woman? One who never fouled up in what it is that they say. Did you realize that speaking is about one-fifth of our lives? And the average person has about 
30 conversations every day, and they would fill up 66 books of 800 pages a year. There are lots of opportunities that we have to mess up with what we say. One day there was a couple who was visiting church who were not members, and they had attended several times, and I had got to meet them, and uh, they just seemed like very nice people. And I was out at the hospital visiting, and as I was walking down the hall, I happened to glance in a room, and there was the lady who had been visiting church. And uh, so I thought, you know, I didn't know she was sick, and so I just kind of wheeled into her room, and, and she had a big bandage over her nose, and she had two black eyes. Now, my immediate thought was, she has been in a car wreck. And so I thought I would say something kind of cute to her, and I'd say, what happened? Did your husband punch you in the nose? She said, yes, he sure did, and he broke it too. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to crawl under the bed because I knew I had said the wrong thing. James said this, anybody who never says the wrong thing is a perfect person. Well, mark me down as one who is not a perfect person because I sometimes foul up with what it is that I say. Well, number two, the second thing James says, verses three and four, that your tongue literally steers your life. And the direction you're going to go depends upon what it is you say and how you use your tongue. So, have you ever been to the doctor? And the doctor, as he's examining you, the first thing he says is, well, stick out your tongue. And the reason he says that is because you can tell what's going on often inside a person by looking what's on their tongue. Now, here's what James says. James chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. James says, listen, your tongue is like the bit that goes into the mouth of a horse. Now, how much would you imagine that a bit that goes into the mouth of a horse would weigh? Well, I guess at the uh, very most it would be a few ounces. But what would you think that a horse would weigh? Well, I understand that a horse could weigh somewhere between one and 3,000 pounds, but that horse is guided and its direction can be determined by a small bit that weighs only a few ounces. And James says that's the same way it is your tongue. Your tongue can steer you and determine the direction you are going to go, although your tongue is very small. You know what your tongue can do? Your tongue can hurt people with gossip. Do you uh, know the uh, name of R.G. Letourneau? R.G. Letourneau is the man who was really the father of developing great earth-moving equipment. He was able to uh, do that in such a way that he was able to make a tremendous fortune. One thing unusual about him is that he was a very dedicated Christian man, and he gave 90% of what he earned, and he lived on 10% of what he earned. He said, you know, it's not a question of how much of 
my money I give to God, but it's how much of God's money that I keep for myself. When he developed these great earth-moving machines, he finally developed the biggest earth-moving machine he had ever developed, and he called it Model G. And I said, well, why did you call it Model G? He said, because G stands for gossip. And he said, there's not anything that moves more dirt than gossip. And you know, your tongue can do that. Your tongue can cause people trouble because of gossip. But also, your, people, your tongue can be a blessing to people. Did you know that the way that the gospel is spread is through a person's tongue? Romans 10, verse 17, Paul says that you and I need to know that the uh, gospel is that which brings people the insight so that they can know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he says, not only is your tongue like a bit in the horse's mouth, but it also is like a ship and the rudder on that ship. You know, uh, have you ever gotten to go to uh, see the Queen Mary? Uh, it's really uh, a marvelous thing to be able to uh, see that great ship. It has over three acres of area where they have nothing but recreation. I mean, that baby is big. But did you know that it has an anchor that has the total weight of what 10 automobiles would be. I mean, that ship is big, but it is guided by a small rudder. Wherever it is, he says that the man who is the pilot wants to go. And even as a small rudder guides the ship, so it is that your tongue steers your life. When I was reading that, I wondered, well, how big were the ships back in New Testament days? Well, over in the book of Acts, chapter 27, verse 37, Paul was on a ship that had 276 people aboard. So evidently there were some big ships even back in New Testament times, but they were guided by a rudder. And so it is what's going to happen to you in your life and the direction you go is determined by how you use your tongue. Well, number three, third thing I want to show you is that your tongue can be either good or evil. Note, if you will, with me, verses 5 through 8. And note, first of all, verses 5 and 6. Likewise, a tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Evil it uh, evil that corrupts the whole body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. He said, do you realize what a great forest fire can be started by a small spark? And I think about reading about forest fires that were started by somebody who flipped a cigarette into the uh, forest, and the whole thing caught on fire because of that one little spark. I guess as you and I are close here to Colorado, did you know that the worst fire in Colorado history was called the Haman Fire? And it was called that because it was started 
near the place of an old abandoned gold mine known as the Haman Mine. And so it was called the Haman Fire. It was about 95 miles southwest of Denver. It was started on June the 8th, 2002. And it burned up 40 million acres. It destroyed 133 houses. And it was $40 million worth of damage that was done, excuse me, and 138,000 acres that were burned. And do you know how it started? It was started by a lady who was burning a letter that came from her estranged husband. And it came out of the fire pit. She was into an area where you were not supposed to have fires. And it caught the whole forest on fire. And she was given six years in prison because of the damage that was done by her fire that she started there near Haman. You know, the tongue can do lots of damage. It can do that which a fire does as it destroys a forest. But then he says this in verses 7 and 8. He changes illustrations and he says this. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He said all kinds of animals have been tamed. Have you ever gone to SeaWorld and uh, seen the killer whales that are trained? And you just wonder, how in the world do they do that? But he said all kinds of animals have been trained. And then he noted one thing here that uh, kind of jumped out to me. He said, and reptiles. Now, when I think of reptiles, I think about snakes. And I tell you, if there's anything I hate, it's snakes. I mean, I don't like to be around them. I'm scared of them. I, probably, if I was in bed and you pitched a snake in bed with me, I mean, it'd be the end of me. And somebody might say, do you hear what happened to Marcia? No, what happened to me? He died. What else? Snake bite. What kind? Rubber. <laughs> but here he says, I'm going to tell you, all kinds of animals have been snakes, can be trained but there is one thing that could never be trained, and that is the human tongue. No human can tame the tongue. That is, you never have to worry to get to a point where you don't have to worry about what it is that you say, because nobody can tame the tongue. There's an interesting passage over in the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 6. And it gives us, beginning in chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, seven things that God hates. And listen to the list. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Now, when I read that list, it seems to me that there are three that are directly tied to the tongue. That is, a lying tongue, a false witness, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And God hates that. You and I need to realize how important it is for us to control our tongue, because God hates 
those who do those things that are opposite of what it is that God wants His people to do. Well, he kind of brings us to a conclusion of this little chapter by looking at the things that are going to appear in verses 9 through 12. And here in verses 9 through 12, he says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same tongue comes praise and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this cannot be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Use your tongue to bless, not to curse. I wonder, how long has it been since you have blessed somebody with your tongue? How long has it been since you said to somebody, you know you are a beautiful Christian and I just really enjoy being around you. You know, I appreciate you so much. You are such a lovely person. I want to follow your example and live like you. How long has it been since you have used your tongue to really build up somebody? This uh, last week we had a funeral here for one of our sweet men, Bill Brigman. And uh, I was doing the service along with my father-in-law, Han Kite. And Han is 95 years old. And so the uh, man had asked his 11-year-old grandson if he would also be a part of the funeral. And so uh, when I introduced the 11-year-old boy, I also mentioned that uh, Bill had a wide range of friends, from uh, Han, who was 95, to his grandson, who was 11. And uh, out at the cemetery, after we had had the uh, service, and I'd said a few words, and Han had led a prayer, one of the young ladies came up there and hugged his neck and said, You know, you are really a firecracker. I tell you, I didn't know if I was going to be able to live with him for a while there, you know. He was a firecracker. He said, Nobody's ever called me that before. But you know what your tongue can do? Your tongue can really be a blessing to a person, and it can really help a person. It can give them some fire and life in their life because you have said that they were this or that which was good or special and something that you really admire in them. But you know, even as your tongue can bless people, it can also curse people. And you can damage people with the wrong words. Did you know you can stab a person with your tongue as well as you can with a knife? Proverbs 15.4 Gentle words cause life and health. Griping brings discouragement. Do you know the name of Ken Blanchard? Blanchard wrote the uh, best-selling book on management and human life called The One-Minute Manager. On one occasion, he was giving a little workshop to about 3,000 people who were frontline workers in grocery stores, along with Barbara Gland, who was a, a lady who worked with him. And she said that uh, about a month after they had given that uh, seminar and workshop on the power of words and what the power of words can do, even in a grocery store as you serve and work, 
she got a call from a young man. And the young man said, uh, My name is Johnny. I'm 19 years old, and I've got Down syndrome. But I work as a sacker in the grocery store, and when I came back from the seminar that you did, I began wondering what I could do to put what you have taught us into practice, and how that I could use words that would be a blessing to other people. And so when I got home, I told my dad about what you'd said. And so we sat down at his computer, and we got a book that had words that encouraged and sentences that really build up people. And I decided that I was going to use what I found in that book as an encouragement in my job. And so my dad would type out these sayings for me, one for each day, and then we would print them on the printer, and then I would cut them out, and I would have a stack of 300 words of encouragement to give to people, and I put them down by where I sat groceries. He said, then as a person would come through, when I got to that last sack, I would take one of those encouraging statements, and I would put them into the sack, and I would always say to the person, I put something special in your sack. I hope it brightens your day. And the lady said, well, that is just really a nice thing to do, Johnny. And she said, the lady said about a month later, she got a call from the manager of the store and said, you know, said we've got a revolution going on in our store. She said, you know, I, I get people in the line where Johnny sacks, and it goes all the way back to the frozen food place, and then we have other places where people could check out, and nobody's there. And, and, and I tell people in line, listen, we've got other lines that are open. You won't have to wait. And they all say the same thing. No, we want to be in the line so we can get Johnny's encouraging word. I thought, how neat. And the lady said about a month later, she got another call from the store manager and said, you know, this has caused a revolution within our grocery store. And even back in the floral apartment, usually when they would have a flower that would break, they would just pitch it away. But now when they have a flower is broken, they will take it out and pin it on an elderly lady or some young girl. And what Johnny started has just spread through our whole store. You know, you have great power with your words. You have the power to build up people and encourage people. Or you have the power to destroy people and tear them down. And James said, now, you're not going to be perfect. But whatever you do, use your words as something that builds and helps and encourages. Because it can light a fire for good as well as a fire for bad. You know, I call this the Christian's most difficult task. And that is to use your tongue in a way that will be a blessing and a help to people rather than a way that is a discouragement. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we thank you for giving us such a powerful thing as our tongues. And Lord, may we realize that they can be a blessing or a curse. And may we, dear God, use our tongues as a blessing. May we every day, dear Father, find something good about people that 
we let them know that we see in them and we appreciate them. And may we be known, dear God, as real encouragers. For this is our prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning, and maybe you'd like to be a part of our church family, and if so, we would just welcome you. Maybe you'd like to come today and let that be known. Maybe you'd like to come confess your faith, be baptized, or if there's any other way we can encourage you, I'll be at the front, and our elders will be at the back if we can serve you in any way. If you'd like to come, why don't you do it right now? We just stand and sing our song of invitation together. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified in my life, Lord, be glorified today in my words, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. Be glorified.